The Hard Shoulder with Kieran Cuddy with Nissan on News Talk. I'm joined now uh, by Simon Harris. Simon Harris is the Minister for Higher and Further Education, Research, Innovation and Science of Ireland. Uh, Minister, you're very welcome uh, to the show. What can you tell me about these 17 new posts that you've created across the higher education system to deal with sexual violence and harassment? Yeah, look, I think this is a very important step today, Kieran. We've made it very, very clear that we want to take a zero tolerance approach to sexual harassment and violence. and That includes the third level sector. There's a lot of good stuff going on in the sector around consent classes, around training. But being truthful, there's a lot of people who've been leading this um, kind of on the basis of goodwill. They know it's important. They've been doing it to help out or they've been doing it as a part-time job or part of their job. One of the key recommendations that was given to me by, by experts on this was the need to build up capacity within the third level sector. So today we're, up, we're announcing 1.5 million euro to hire and what we're calling basically a sexual violence and harassment prevention and response manager, quite a mouthful, but effectively somebody within a college to coordinate uh, the delivery of their action plans on sexual harassment and violence. And um, I think it's going to be a very significant step forward in terms of supporting the efforts of people to create safe, uh, inclusive, respectful campuses. So this isn't about creating a position uh, to provide... uh, The provision of somebody to whom complaints can be made. This is about managing programmes. That's correct. So when I became minister, I wrote to every university in Ireland, every college in Ireland, and asked each of them to put in place an action plan on what they were going to do on their campus to make their campuses safe, to publish that plan, and then to report against it on a yearly basis. The role of this person will be to coordinate the implementation of that plan, uh, to roll out training, to roll out awareness, consent classes, to help to develop reporting mechanisms. But I need to be very clear, it can't be the job of any one person uh, to change the culture in a campus. It's the responsibility of everybody from the president of the university down um, to make sure that the culture changes. So I see this role as a, as a coordinating management role. And again, it's not, not my idea. It's an idea that has arisen from the expert advisory group, which advises me and the HEA on these matters. I mean, uh, do you have a view as to why levels of sexual violence and harassment seem to be so much higher on college campuses than they are across society in general. Certainly, if kind of surveys carried out by the HEA and others are to be believed, they are higher. Well, you see, I just wonder, are we measuring it and asking questions that maybe other sectors of society aren't? I mean, I, I very much see the higher education sector as as a microcosm for, for a broader society. Now, we do know, and you don't need to take my word for it, we do know when we ask the likes of the Dublin Rape Crisis Centre and read their reports, there is a direct correlation between an increased prevalence of sexual violence and harassment and alcohol use or misuse, drug use or misuse. So uh, I suppose, therefore, perhaps some of the social environments in third level can lead themselves to those scenarios. But I more think when we, when we survey people in college, it's not about the college campus. We're asking these students and staff if they ever experience sexual harassment. It doesn't mean it's taken place in college. Um, so I actually think, in fairness to people working in third level uh, and, and the students in third level, I think they've probably just led the way in, in identifying the issue, uh, talking about the issue, reporting the issue in terms of surveys and the likes. Um, and we think we, can be, we think we can help lead change here because we can make the campuses safer, but also we can have the next generation who leave the campuses then and go into the workforces and into families and into communities having a much better, healthier attitude towards consent, towards sex and, and a zero-tolerance approach to sexual harassment. The, the other interpretation of that data as well is that we've got a drink and drug problem on campuses. I think in general this country has had a, a bad relationship with alcohol. I don't think that's a surprise and it's not for me to... Um, 
it's not for me to be to be the state's nanny here in relation to this. But I am I am announcing today and have announced a um, hundred thousand euro to provide funding to student unions to run uh, alcohol and drug misuse campaigns. Again, I don't think government ministers lecturing students in relation to these matters um, is effective or desirable. But I do think empowering students to actually develop campaigns that keep students safe and give them the information they require is, is a sensible way to proceed. A lot of those students who you want to help, you want to keep safe, uh, they march out of their classrooms, their college theatres, their lecture halls today at 11.11am in protest at the cost of living. What is your response to the, I suppose, the the general tenor of their complaint, which is that it is so expensive to put yourself through third level education that it is proving to be a barrier to people? So on that point, I think there's a lot of validity. They're right. And that's why literally days ago, a couple of weeks ago, uh, in the budget, we announced some pretty significant measures to try and change that reality. Now, these are measures that students and their families will start to see in their pockets literally in the coming weeks. So the first reduction in college fees, in I think 27 years, um, taking €1,000 off the fees this year, but €500 permanently off the fees a a double student grant payment. So any student who was due to get their grant in December, and that's about 50,000 students, and there's one group of students here who would would have been due to get €679. They'll get that by two uh, in December, and increasing student grants uh, by 10% at least from January. So there's €143 million in cost of living measures for students, just for students, not for their families, in terms of the grants uh, the changes in the fee structure, extra money into a student mm. assistance fund, which is effectively a hardship fund. That's a direct recognition of the point the students are making. And is there more we need to do? There is, particularly around student accommodation. Yeah, it all comes back to housing, sure. doesn't it? Uh, I think a lot of it does. And when I reviewed the student grant scheme uh, this year and had an external review of it done, I mean, the biggest cost that students were facing now is accommodation. Um, so there's, there's absolutely no doubt in relation to that. Now, I, I do want to tell you, at the end of this month, I'll be bringing proposals to government that for the first time ever, we will seek for the state to invest in the building uh, of student accommodation, college-owned. There will be a requirement on the universities that it has to be affordable. Um, we'll be starting with, I mean, you might be interested to know there's a number of universities in our country today who have land and planning permission to build literally thousands of student uh, accommodation beds. And I'm not being critical of them. They have felt it has been unviable up until now. Mm. I need to make it viable. And my plan is by the end of the month uh, to bring proposals to Cabinet on that. Have we enough apprentices in the system to man all of these building sites? Sorry, in general, in relation to housing? Well, we... in relation to sorry, well, in relation to all of these student accommodation units that you're talking about building, in relation to the 300,000 or 500,000 odd retrofits that are meant to happen by 2030 yeah. and the 300,000 houses we're going to build by 2030. Yeah. So let me, give you some, let me give you some figures without throwing too many figures at your listeners. I mean, I have I a say report. no. I say you can skip the figures and just say no, we don't have enough people to build oh, well, sorry, no, no, sorry. No, well, I'll absolutely say no, we don't because no, we don't is the answer. But I would like to give you some figures because we do have a plan. So there's 50,000, um, there's, there's a requirement for 50,000 more people uh, to work in construction trades by 2030. And, and that, that includes the retrofitting uh, agenda. So we need 50,000 more people working in construction uh, by 2030. And it is one of the reasons why I've just uh, spoken to Dublin Chamber this afternoon. It's one of the reasons why we are really trying to promote and grow apprenticeship programs. And we're trying to broaden the conversation around educational pathways 
um, uh, for people leaving school and for people upskilling. It's why we've introduced a grant of €2,000 for anybody who takes on an apprentice per apprentice per year. Um, And it's why we're also looking at some of the programmes that are currently apprenticeships that might actually be able to be delivered as traineeships now. In other words, a programme that might have taken four years a number of years ago might be able Mm. to be delivered in two years. So we're putting a massive amount of capacity into the system. But we need help as well. We need a cultural change in Ireland. We need people attaching a value to apprenticeships. Um, We need the mums and dads of Ireland, I suppose, coming with us on this journey. And we need businesses also freeing up their staff. And I know they're very very busy, but in the construction industry, for example, realising that actually the couple of days training for a man or a woman in retrofitting will actually future-proof your business uh, and your employees' skill set. That 50,000 figure, though, is unattainable, isn't it? I don't believe it is, actually. Um, Where are they going to come from? You can have all the culture change you want, but I mean, that's the population of Waterford City. Yeah, well, let's let's remember we already have an apprentice population in the country of about 26,000. We have five retrofitting centres that all will be open by March. I think four are already open. And they'll have capacity to do 17,000. Uh, people within five years. So we have we have eight years to get... To, to, to get, get a 200% to, to get, increase on the number of apprentices from through the system. Yeah, yeah, sorry, they're not all... Sorry, I just need, I need to be really clear. They're not all apprentices. So these are people working in the trades. So we need 50,000 more people working in trades. It's a combination of apprenticeships, uh, traineeships, uh, but also shorter shorter courses as well. Um, so it is a massive... But, it, but, but you're... I mean, you're entirely right. This is a massive, massive challenge. Yeah. And it's why... It's why we're changing the CAO website. It's why we're now advertising apprenticeships to school leavers. It's why we've set up a national apprenticeship office. And we did see, let's remember, we did see more people registered than ever before in the history of the state as new apprentices last year, 8,607. So the signs are good. Um, but we're, I think we are going to need to take further interventions to incentivize people to take up training. Um, I, I want to ask just about more broadly the education system your, your party colleague Kieran Cannon was in with me yesterday and we were talking about the video of the, the Irish team celebrating and Ua up the Ra and, and he was talking about a generation of younger people in Ireland who don't appreciate the reality of the troubles and his suggestion was actually that the education system now needs to tackle some of those I suppose the, those more delicate more thorny, more controversial uh, elements of, of our recent past. What do you say to that suggestion? So I think, I think more broadly, and more broadly than the more broadly than the Irish women's soccer team, I think the importance of continuing to keep our curriculum up to date as as events move on, if you like. Um, I mean, history history is always moving and always developing. Um, so I, I think there's a validity in always keeping curriculum uh, under under review. I do, though, think, I mean, I, I am a still relatively young Irish person. Um, and I mean, I, I still, I do, I don't accept that our generation don't have an appreciation for the history of our country. I think we do. It is very different to the lived experience, though. Um, I mean, many of the things we, my generation, know about, we know about in, in what we believe to be a historical context, as opposed to our parents or grandparents who lived through these times. Um, but I, I don't, you know, I, I was quite, I was quite irked to see a, a British uh, journalist putting it to a member of the Irish um, women's soccer team yesterday that, you know, you need to be better educated in Irish history. We certainly don't need to be told that uh, by any other country. I mean, I think Irish people have a very Mm. strong understanding, young and old, uh, of our history. But I think in general, the point my colleague Kieran makes is is, is valid about 
you know, making sure our, our curriculum keeps up to date as things move on and that we never forget our past, nor do we be prisoners to our past, but that we never forget our past too. And look, I think, I thought the Irish Independent editorial actually got this, got this pretty right today. I mean, we're after having a remarkably uh, brilliant moment in what has been a really difficult week of national grief for our country after, after Creaselock. And the, the women's soccer team have done our country so proud. Mm. You know, I, I think their apology was, was their apology was, you know, very, very um, unreserved, very clear, uh, came very quickly. Um, and I have no intention of letting it take away from what has been their incredible, uh, incredible achievement and pride they've brought to the yeah. country. Have you ever chanced to do out there? Not that I, not that I recall, no. In a nightclub late at night, Wolf <laughs> Jones comes on. I don't, I, I don't recall, I don't, I don't recall it. But, but I, but I, I do think we have to keep, I mean, there's a balance here, Kieran. I suppose is the point I'm making more yeah. generally. I well, mean, you probably a, have. I guess is what you're saying. I don't think I've had to do uh, up the ra, but I mean, I don't think these are. I, I, I think we have to have a balance here in terms of. It's a very, there's a very significant difference between. Uh, there's a very significant difference between various contexts and various people in relation to these situations. The Irish women's soccer team, um, you know, are not politicians. Um, they're not government ministers. Um, they're 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 women at the top end of their of their game doing our country hugely yeah. proud. There's a moment of celebration. That song shouldn't have been sang. They've said it, um, but they've done our country proud. I'm proud of them. And I, it's actually what I'm thinking about is, I was listening to young girls from um, Kill the Manor on a, on a on a on a different radio program yesterday, and I was listening to them saying things like down to the local soccer team saying things like, you know, now I know I can be like that too. These are incredible role models for yeah. the next for the next generation, yeah. and you know. The, the the debate about who up the round, the discussion about it is is valid. You know, I mean, there's yeah. a lot of pain and tragedy, and there's real victims here of a brutal, bloody um, campaign of violence and murder on our yeah. island. We should never yeah. forget that. But I, I just think it's a need for balance and perspective. Yeah. And listen, we will all be four square behind them at the World Cup. Uh, Minister, thanks a million for joining us. Here. The hard shoulder with Kieran Cuddy with Nissan weekdays from four on News Talk.